but the idea of being able to get a second chance, as you saw the topic we're going to be discussing, uh, we'll also be hearing about a very interesting um, figure in the Talmud, a rabbi in the Talmud who, uh, who had an interesting turn of events that you would not expect from a, Talmud, uh, a, a rabbi of the Talmud and how that all correlates with the topic of tonight. So tonight we're discussing it. It, uh, it, it, it is one of the things brought in this week's Torah portion, this week's Parsha, about the idea, the mitzvah of the second Passover. It's an interesting idea, the second Passover. We don't find this in any other holiday that there's a take two, so to speak, that there's a, a second chance. But with Passover, we find, and we actually commemorated it uh, not long ago, about a month ago now, um, so we'll get right into the source uh, from this week's Parsha. Let me share screen. Here we go. There were men who were ritually unclean because of contact with a dead person and therefore could not make the Passover sacrifice on that day. Now, I'll just interject for a second. There's different, there's different opinions. The Talmud discusses why they could not offer the sacrifice. So just to refresh our memory, the Jewish people were commanded to bring a sacrifice, the Paschal Lamb, the Korban Pesach. And there was a group of people that could not do it for reasons of purity and impurity. It wasn't that they were cheap. It wasn't that they were lazy. It was reasons of purity and impurity. There are three opinions in the Talmud as to why they weren't able to. One is because they were the ones who were carrying the body of Yosef, of Joseph, who had asked that when the Jewish people leave Egypt, they should take his body with him to bury in Israel. Another opinion is that these were Jews who were busy dealing with the bodies of the two sons of Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, who passed away, that went into the temple and passed away, the tabernacle rather. And a third opinion is that it was just a uh, not just but it, that the reason why these people were ritually impure was because they had come in contact with someone who passed away and there's a idea in judaism called met mitzvah which means if someone passes away and there's no one else there's no burial society there's no one else to take care of them you have a moral obligation according to jewish law to take care of them to wash their body to prepare it ritually for burial and to take care of getting making sure that they are buried properly and you have that obligation. You can't turn the other way and say, oh, I'll let someone else take care of it. It's your responsibility. So these are different opinions as to why they could not make the Passover sacrifice. But here's the, the important, not the important, but here's the punchline. So they approached, I'm going back to the source. They approached Moshe and Aaron on that day. Those men said to him, we are ritually unclean because of contact with a dead person. But why should we be excluded so as not to bring the offering of the Lord in its appointed time with all the children of Israel? Moses said to them, wait, and I will hear what the Lord instructs concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, any person who becomes unclean from contact with the dead or is on a distant journey, whether among you or in future generations, he shall make a Passover sacrifice for the Lord. And so in the second month, on the 14th day, in the afternoon, they shall make it. They shall eat it with unleavened cakes and bitter herbs. They shall not leave over anything from it until the next morning. And they shall not break any of its bones. They shall make it in accordance with all the statutes connected with the Passover sacrifice. So they, 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 they couldn't do it. 
They came and asked Moses and Aaron, what should we do? Why should we be left out because we're ritually impure? And he asked Hashem, and Hashem says, okay, we're going to grant you a second chance. We're going to give you a, a, a second opportunity to, to offer this, this, this sacrifice. Now, there is a, uh, a, a book, a, a calendar, really, that, um, that it's one of the first works, one of the first things that the Rebbe worked on right when he came to America, when him and his wife came to America back in 1941. And it's called Hayom Yom, which means every day, the day, in other words, from day to day, and every day he would put a little, little daily dose of inspiration, a daily thought, a daily idea, and he filled the calendar that year was actually a leap year, so we have for leap year as well, and every day we have a little dose of inspiration that, that the Rebbe put from, from any, anywhere in Torah, Hasidus, anything, and let's take a look at, at what he wrote on the day of the second Passover. What was the message from this mitzvah? So he says... The theme of the second Passover is that it is never too late. It is always possible to rectify. Even if one was ritually impure or far away, and even if this lacking was deliberate, nonetheless, he can correct it. Now, when you, when you, uh, when you look back at this, when you look back at this story, um, it, the, 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 yeah, we have to remember that this idea, this idea of coming to ask for a second chance to do a mitzvah was a trailblazing idea. Not just the thought that they had the thought to go to Moses and Aaron and say, we missed out. It's not fair, right? Where did that even come from? In other words, um, where did they get the guts, so to speak, to do it? So, so, so I, I, I'll get back to that in a moment. But the first point I think that's important to remember is that this, this, um, this idea that it's never too late and you can always have a second chance is not just a general idea for all the Jewish people, but it's for every person individually. And it's something that we need to take to heart in all aspects of life. Um, but there's another important point that I think we need to zone in, zoom in on rather, of this story. And I'll read here the words of the Rebbe. This is a talk from 1982. Moses did not initiate the suggestion that a second Paschal service be held. It came only after the complaint of the Jews who were impure and unable to bring the Paschal sacrifice. They needed to recognize what they lacked, and then they had to have a desire to correct the situation. It was only once they were bothered by their situation that the second Passover came into existence. Their protest was accepted and they were given the opportunity to complete what they had missed. This demonstrates the greatness of every Jew. Even if you were in a lowly state, you raise your voice and demand, why should I lose out? And ultimately, your demand will be accepted. So I think the point here is that it needs to bother us. It need, we need to recognize it and it needs to bother us. And we need to make the move, so to speak, and express the fact that it bothers us. But on the other hand, the moment that it bothers us and we express that and we voice that, Hashem grants a whole second opportunity to do this mitzvah. So we'll circle back to this idea. I want to move on now to a very interesting 
um, Talmudic figure. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him before. Um, his name was Elisha, the son of Avua. He was known as, the name, his name was known as Acher. That was a nickname that he had. He was a, a major, major Torah scholar, but something, he had a traumatic experience that happened to him. And when I say traumatic, I mean not just physically, but also spiritually. And basically the experience that, that he had was that, I, let me preface by saying, there is a very interesting mitzvah in the Torah that says that if you see a nest with eggs and you want to take those eggs, you need to shoo away the mother egg, the mother bird rather, and only then can you take the eggs. And the idea is obviously because it's so painful for a mother to have its, its eggs taken away from it while it's there. So you need to shoo away the mother, then you can take the eggs and that's fine. And the Torah specifically states about this, that you, your, the days of your life will be lengthened if you perform this mitzvah. So this rabbi from the Talmud, Elisha ben Avua, was one time sitting in a garden and he saw an individual walk up climb up a tree, take an entire nest, the mother with the eggs, and come down and take the eggs. The next day, he saw someone else go up, shoo away the mother, and then take the eggs. This individual comes down from the tree, he's bit by a snake, and he dies. <laughs> and this rabbi could not understand this. He, he was beside himself. This, this individual who specifically fulfilled what God had said in the Torah, and he dies, and he, he became a heretic. And he, 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 he ceased to observe any Torah and mitzvahs. After that, he just dropped all of his observance. What he did not know was that there was an opinion. One of the rabbis that was analyzing this mitzvah said that perhaps the meaning of the, of the verse is not that your life is going to be lengthened physically in this world, but maybe that your life will be lengthened in the world to come. But we're not going to get into all that right now. This is the background of this story. So here, let's look at an interesting story that took place of this Elisha ben Avua. You have to remember, Elisha ben Avua was like, you know, one of the, think about the top professors at Harvard or Yale or Binghamton, okay? The top professors... Think about, and he had, he had many, many students. He had taught, he had taught the Torah to many, many students. So here's a very interesting story that happened one time with one of his students that later became a rabbi himself, okay? Okay, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir is Elisha's student, and he himself now is a great rabbi. I'm reading. Rabbi Meir was sitting expounding in the study hall of Tiberias. His master, Elisha, passed by riding on a horse on Shabbat. They came and said to Rabbi Meir, your master is outside. Rabbi Meir stopped his teaching and went out to him. Elisha asked him, what were you expounding today? So even though Elisha dropped his observance of Judaism, but he wants to know what's going on. What are you guys learning today? Elisha said to him, 
Anyway, he tells them they talk. Then as they continue walking, he's riding his horse and Mayor is walking with him. Elisha says to him, enough, Mayor, until here is the Shabbat boundary. Mayor said to him, how do you know? He replied, I have been counting the steps of my horse and he has walked 2,000 cubits. Just an explanation. There is a boundary in addition to the fact that we're not allowed to carry on Shabbat unless we're within an Arab. There is a boundary of how long, how, how far we're, we're allowed to walk outside of a city. And it's about 2,000 amot. So Elisha, right, who dropped his observance, who's riding on the horse, tells the student mayor, you can't walk anymore because it's out of the Tchum Shabbat, out of the Shabbat boundaries. So Reb Meir says to me, says, you have all this wisdom and you will not repent? Elisha responded, he says, I am not able to repent. Reb Meir asked why? He replied, because one time I rode past the Holy of Holies on my horse on Yom Kippur that fell on Shabbat. And I heard a heavenly voice coming out of the Holy of Holies saying, return children, except Elisha ben Avua, who knew my power and rebelled against me. I'm going to repeat what, what happened here. He's riding on the horse and he tells his, 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 his student, you can't go anymore because of Shabbat. He turns to me and he says, this is ridiculous. You're so learned. You're so, why don't you repent? And, and I'll, I'll add my own interpretation of the story is that maybe because he saw that his teacher is still, he cares about what's going on. In other words, his teacher, he dropped his observance, right? But he still is interested in what's going on in the study. Also, he asks him what's going on today. So Mayor, Reb Mayor turns to him, he says, why don't you repent? He says, I can't repent because I heard this heavenly voice coming out of the Holy of Holies in the Beit HaMikdash saying, everyone can repent besides for me, because he knew my power and rebelled against me. I want to fast forward to the end of the end of his life. And let's see what happens at the end of Elisha's life. A while later, Elisha became ill. They came and said to Reb Meir, your master is ill. He went to visit him and found him ill. Reb Meir said to him, will you not repent? Elisha replied, and if one repents, is he accepted? Remeyer answered using a play on words, is it not written, you return man to pulp? You are accepted until the crushing of life. At that moment, Elisha cried and he passed away. Remeyer was glad in his heart and he said, it seems he passed away repentant. The end of the story is that in his last moment when he was lying in the hospital or lying ill, he actually repented and he, he, his, his teshuva, his repentance was accepted by God. And the Rebbe spoke about this in that same talk in 1982. And the Rebbe analyzed this and the Rebbe said, why, the Rebbe asked the question, why, why would we expect of Elisha ben Avua to repent anyway? In other words, why did Meir, who came to his, 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 his teacher's deathbed, he comes to his right, he comes to him, and he says, will you not repent? Like he started, he's trying again. Didn't he get the message? Didn't he hear from his teacher that his teacher heard a heavenly voice coming from the Beit HaMikdash saying, everyone else can repent besides for you. And so the Rebbe makes the point, the Rebbe makes the point as follows, and he says, despite the dire prediction of the heavenly voice that said he would never again be welcome, 
he should have protested that he be given a chance to repent. If he would have pushed his way in and truly tried, his repentance would have been accepted. Heavenly voices notwithstanding. Our sages say, and this is an interesting law in the code of Jewish law, follow all your host's instructions, except if he tells you to leave. That means that if you go to someone's house, guys, if you go to someone's house and they tell you to say l'chaim, or they say you should share something, or they tell you, I don't know what, you got to do everything that they tell you to do. There's one thing you don't need to do, and that is leave. If they tell you to leave, you don't need to leave, according to the law. So the Rebbe is saying, despite the fact that he is the host, God is the host, and you should therefore follow all of his other instructions. Nonetheless, don't listen to him if he tells you to leave. Meaning, if God tells you you cannot repent, don't accept that from God. Because God is, God is essentially pushing you out and saying you can't repent. He can't push you out because you don't need to listen. That's the only thing you don't need to listen to when your, teach, when your host tells you that. On the same note, Elisha should have disregarded the voice saying that his repentance would be denied. God himself tells us not to listen when your host tells you to leave. Elisha should not have listened to the divine host telling him to leave the realm of holiness. This is where Elisha went wrong. Instead of heeding the heavenly voice, he should have tried to repent. If he would have done his best and demanded that he be given another chance, his repentance would surely have been accepted. Indeed, the sages of Mary Bjorn ultimately succeeded in bringing rest to Elisha's soul. To summarize, the second Passover teaches us an important lesson. If your past conduct was lacking, not only can you change it in the present and future, you can change it in the past as well. The prerequisite is, though, is that you must demand another chance, knowing how perfect you truly are inside. When you do that, Hashem will heed your request and give you the opportunity for change. Okay, friends, that's a wrap for tonight. I think it's a lot to think about. It's a powerful, uh, the whole thing is a powerful concept. Um, and uh, I'll just add that the Rebbe once, the Rebbe would, this is something that the Rebbe would often talk about, not specifically about the story from the Talmud, but the idea that it's never too late, the idea that you can always fix and you can always return and, 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 but that you, you have to ask, you have to do the asking, like it's not going to come on a silver platter to you if you don't do your part and do the asking. And the Rebbe also spoke about this as far as asking God to send Mashiach and requesting from God to send Mashiach. Um, and the Rebbe said, you know, there are those that may say sometimes like, I'm not going to mix in whenever Hashem wants to send Mashiach, he'll send Mashiach. Like, it's not my job to get involved in when Mashiach is going to come. I ask for Mashiach every day. We pray for the redemption. We pray for world peace. But I'm not going to. The Rebbe said, no, we have to learn from these, these people. They, had, they, they, were, they were deprived of that mitzvah and it bothered them. And they came and they asked and they had no precedent for that. We have a precedent now. We definitely have no excuse. They came and they asked and Hashem saw that it really bothered them and it was sincere and he granted them that second chance. So anyway, Hashem should hear our, our prayers and grant us always a second chance. But we should always remember that it's never too late in any realm and share that with everyone that we come in contact with. Have a good night, guys. Unless anyone has oh, a thought, a question, a story. I really like oh, that. Oh, it's great.